It was a television moment that stunned its viewers. The year was 1969, and especially in the United States, there was a lot of racial tension and uncertainty that was happening. Dr. Martin Luther King had been assassinated the year before, and even though the Civil Rights Bill had been passed a few years before that, segregation was still being practiced in many areas of the country, causing untold pain and humiliation for so many people. And now in 1969, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled and made a public law that public swimming pools could no longer be segregated by race. And yet at many pools across the country, white people were preventing black people from sharing the water with them. That's what makes this television moment so compelling. It happened on an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Fred Rogers was the beloved host of a children's program that bears his name. Some of us, I'm going to date myself, grew up watching Mr. Rogers. Others may have seen reruns in previous years. Mr. Rogers was trained as a Presbyterian minister, and he dedicated his entire life and career to serving and teaching kids teaching them about love and kindness, and he was never afraid to take on difficult, challenging subjects. And he knew that swimming pools were refusing entry to black people, and so he decided to send a powerful message across the airwaves. In this particular episode, Mr. Rogers is sitting in a children's wading pool, cooling off his feet on a hot summer day. And then Officer Clemens, a black police officer portrayed by actor Francois Clemens, walks by and Mr. Rogers asks him if he would like to come and join him and to cool off his feet. Clemens initially says no and says, I don't have a towel. But Mr. Rogers says to him, you can use my towel. And so these two grown men take off their shoes and socks, they roll up their pant legs, and they sit together and swish their feet in this kid's pool. And when Clemens gets up to leave, he uses Mr. Rogers' towel to dry off his feet. And then a few moments later, Mr. Rogers uses the same towel to dry off his own. It's this profound moment that stunned its viewers. It took and began taking steps towards breaking some racial barriers and attitudes. But it was a moment that came not by inspiring words in a speech, not by policies and laws, but in a kid's waiting pool, sharing a towel. It was a moment that showed the power of love and kindness towards others, and it had the fingerprints of Jesus all over it. Well, this morning, we're wrapping up our series, as I mentioned, called Living Love. And over the last number of weeks, we've been exploring Jesus' words about the most important things that we can do in our lives, and that's to learn to love him with our heart, soul, mind, and then as we heard last week, with our strength and our energy. And today we're going to look at how do we begin loving those around us. We are invited to live a life of love. And as we do that, Jesus' love starts becoming alive inside of us and all around us. It is truly living love. And so love begins with our personal connection to God as we begin loving him with our heart, soul, and mind. And then we begin extending that strength and energy around us. And today we're going to see how we even take that beyond into loving others. Because love moves us towards action. 1 John 3.18 says, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show that truth by our actions. And so this morning we're going to springboard off of that verse to love God and love others. And we're going to look at one of the most well-known stories that Jesus ever told. 
And it comes on the heels of this love God and love your neighbor. And it begins with this question, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, and he also passed by on the other side. And then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. And going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. And the next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. And then Jesus asks, Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? The reply? The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says, Yes. Now go and do the same. Well, we could spend weeks, seriously, weeks looking at this story from all different angles. There are so many different approaches to the story. And so for today, I just want to focus on a couple details that jump out for me as I read this story. But I also think they are helpful for us as we begin learning what it means to love those around us. And then I want to offer up just a few ideas to get us started. And so the story begins with this man who is traveling, and he's been attacked and robbed of everything. His possessions, his clothes, his dignity. In fact, the Greek word here for being wounded is is our actual word today called trauma, which is super interesting. He's not in good shape. And then in quick succession, three people come onto the scene. And so the first thing I want you to notice is the time element at work. The story says, as it happened, or by chance. I like to say it's being in the moment or along the way. And so the first guy comes along, and he sees the situation, and then he figures he doesn't want to get involved, and so he makes the intentional decision to cross to the other side of the road just to be safe. And then the second guy comes along and sees the same situation. Maybe he walks a little bit closer. But he also makes the same decision to play it safe, and he walks back to the other side. Last guy comes along. He's given the same opportunity, same moment as the first two guys, but he's going to make a totally different decision, which we'll get to in just a moment. But here's the point. The opportunity to show love and kindness to someone most often happens in the ordinary, mundane, routine times in our lives. It often happens along the way or in the moment, in the busyness of everyday life, where we're not thinking about it, we're not planning for it, it just shows up in front of us. So what do we do? Well, if you're like me, I'm going to be totally honest here, I kind of do what those first two guys do, a lot. I can follow their example quite well. I mean, they're busy. They've got things to do. They've got projects to complete. They've got papers to write. They've got business deals to do. They've got everything to figure out. They've got a huge to-do list. And here they are, heading down their path, heading into their day, checking items off on their to-do list, and they're suddenly faced with this situation, and it doesn't add up. And they're saying, well, that's on my to-do list, and this situation that's here, that's not on my list. And so it didn't fit with their timelines and their plans. And so they walked away from a moment to show love and kindness to those who needed it. I remember years ago, 
having a great conversation with my next door neighbor. And we had all recently moved into this neighborhood. It was a brand new neighborhood that had opened up. And here we are just chatting, getting to know each other, and just kind of figuring out life. And we're having this conversation, and then all of a sudden I looked at my watch and I thought, oh my goodness, I am late. Uh, I had to get to a meeting at the church that I was working at. And so I abruptly ended the conversation, got into my car, drove 20 minutes across the city, walk into this meeting, only to discover, get this, it was a meeting about how to connect with your neighbor. I was like, oh my goodness, are you for real? It was this total disconnect moment where I thought, I just left a real-time conversation with a person so that I could go check off an item on my schedule, on my meeting list. And I've never forgotten that moment or that lesson that was there. Because to love others, to love our neighbors, means we need to become aware and pay attention to the moments that we find ourselves in because there might be an opportunity to step into something that we can't see. And so be in the present ordinary moment, which leads to the second detail from the story. If we are to live out love to others, then we need to see people for who they are in the moment. In the story, we're told that this guy that's been attacked has lost everything. And as a Jewish man, part of his identity would have literally been wrapped up in the clothes that he was wearing to distinguish him as a Jewish man. And now here he is without nothing, no identity, no labels that would kind of point him out. And I think it's a, a huge reminder for us that people are not projects. People are not programs. People are not an item on a to-do list. They are people. Someone who has value and worth, not because of a title or a position or a label that they have or a success that they have or don't have. But there are people creating in God's very image. And because of that, they carry value and worth. And they have a need that can be met with love and kindness. I mentioned earlier that in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, Officer Clemens was played by a black actor named Francois Clemens. Francois had a very difficult childhood. As a child, he experienced firsthand the horrors of segregation. He also grew up being abused by his own father and later on by his stepfather. In school, he was discriminated against because of his color. For many years, he kept his sexual orientation as a gay man hidden. And now here he was playing a black police officer at a time when most people didn't think that was a very good idea. Labels had hurt him and caused so much pain. And yet Mr. Rogers didn't see that. Instead, he built a personal friendship with them over the years and accepted and loved him for who he was in that moment as loved, as a person of value and worth. And years after the waiting pool episode, Clemens was reflecting about this experience of sitting in the pool with him and what it meant for him. And he said, when Mr. Rogers said to him, come sit with me, you can share my towel, he said something profound happened. These are his words. He said, my God, those were powerful words. It was transformative to sit there with him, thinking to myself, something wonderful is happening here. This is not what it looks like. It is much bigger. For Mr. Rogers, it wasn't about creating the big moment, but it was about being in the moment seeing someone for who they were in that moment. And it changed Francois's life 
because he never forgot that love and that kindness that was shown to him. It's been said, people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. Be present in the moment. See people for who they are in the moment. And here's the last detail from the story I want to pull out. Take the next step that's in front of you. The third guy, this guy that we call the Good Samaritan, he's going about his day just like the others. And just like the others, he sees the person in front of him. But that's where the story changes. Jesus says when he saw the injured man, he felt compassion for him. And then he went over to him. He took the next step. And even though it was challenging and scary and probably a bit awkward and it cost him something, he enters the other person's space and story and situation. And he gets down and he kneels with this man in the dust and the pain and the bruises of this man's story and situation. Because when he looked, when he really looked, he felt compassion and kindness and love. Living from a, from a place of love moves us towards others. It moves us towards action. It moves us to take the next step. And sometimes it's going to leave us with dirt and tears, but it's the way of Jesus. In John's gospel, we read that the word Jesus took on human skin and moved into the neighborhood. I love that imagery. Jesus enters our world and he enters into our neighborhood. He takes the first step towards us because it is his love in action. I love that the story of Jesus that so often he gets down into the dirt and the muck of our lives. He makes the first move. He comes and shows us what love is like. He enters our story, our situation, the places we find ourselves in. And we are called to do the same. And so in our remaining time, I just want to share a couple ideas of how I think we can get started on that. I think it begins when we open ourselves to God's invitation to show love and kindness in ordinary, everyday moments. Bob Goff wrote a wonderful book called Love Does. And he says this, Love is never stationary. In the end, love doesn't just keep thinking about it or keep planning for it. Simply put, love does. Every day, God invites us on an adventure. It's not a trip where he sends us a rigid itinerary. He simply invites us. And then he says, a lot of people ask the question, what do I do? He said, I usually just try to figure out what the next step is and then do that. I know it sounds too simple, too formulaic. It seems like there must be more to it, but there isn't. For most of us, that next step is as easy as picking up the phone, sending an email, writing a letter, buying a plane ticket, or just showing up. After that, things start happening. Things that perhaps have God's fingerprints on them. You'll know which ones do and which ones don't. Pick the ones that do. Because God, leaning over us, whispers, let's go do that together. Well, here on the UBC campus, and a number of you are brand new to UBC, there are so many opportunities and invitations to connect with people along the way and to see how Jesus' love might come in unexpected, ordinary ways. So that question, who is my neighbor? Well, here on campus, we have 60,000 students right here on our campus. 60,000. About 16,000 of them are from 150 different nations. It's beautiful. 
We have over 17,000 faculty and staff who live here. Over 11,000, I've heard higher numbers, maybe up to 14,000 people living in the surrounding residential neighborhoods. Why don't you just to allow that kind of that bigness of the number just to hit you for a second? Those are big numbers. It can feel overwhelming, and all of a sudden you might see that and maybe feel a little bit scared. Feel like, oh my goodness, where do I even start? I love how Mother Teresa said it. She said, never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time, and always start with the person nearest you. Just be in the moment with the person right in front of you or beside you. Start there. So I want to propose something. What if we, as a 10th UBC community, launched an experiment this year? Let's call it the experiment, which I know is super original. So if you can come up with something more creative, just text me or put it out there. But here's the experiment. What if we, as a community, dare to take a step of faith and to respond in the moments as they come to the person that God opens our eyes towards? Might be your roommate or classmate. Maybe it's your professor. Maybe it's your student or a colleague. Maybe it's your barista or a restaurant server or your grocery clerk. Start there. Start with the person in front of you. I think it starts simple. Start with small actions. Smile more. Leave a little extra tip. Practice generosity. Practice empathy. Again, Mother Teresa said, not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. I think we overcomplicate things when it comes to God's love and loving others because it's those small things that can actually make the biggest difference. Years ago when Michelle and I planted our church in Langley called Urban Road, we really tried to lean into doing some simple things with love. And our community began to embrace that of what it means to love the people around us and to reflect Jesus' love and kindness in ordinary ways. Some of our congregation went out and started playing ball hockey with neighborhood kids, getting to know them. Others baked cookies and other things and went out and met neighbors that they had never met before. We also started something called hashtag you are chalked. And it was a play on our urban road initials you are. But it was also a short form for you are, as in Y-O-U. You are, you've been chalked, or you are chalked. And we've got some slides up here, but we would grab some colored chalk, and we would literally, a group of us, we'd go blitz a neighborhood, and we would leave positive, encouraging notes on the sidewalk. I know it sounds crazy. It probably sounds way too simple, and you're probably thinking, how can that have any impact at all? But let me tell you, the stories that came from the sidewalk still blow me away today. Like this one, and this was actually from a friend of ours, but she sent us this message. She said, I went out for a run tonight with a heavy heart feeling all alone. I often see kids' chalk drawings on the sidewalk in my neighborhood, so when I saw the chalk, I didn't think too much of it. Then I read the first one, and I knew God was at work. I read a few more and then read these words, you are not alone. And that's when I burst into tears. Thank you for hearing God's voice, choosing that message, and for touching the hearts of our community, particularly mine. Here's one more. This one's from a dad. He wrote us, he said, I got home late, 
barely saw the boys until they got up at 1 a.m., 2 a.m., and 3.30 a.m. Fatherhood is hard at 3.30 a.m., but I got to cuddle with all three. Decided to get up for the day by 4 o'clock and take a walk to Starbucks. Feeling a little down, obviously tired, and not excited to go to work and to do it all over again. But then I came across a sidewalk full of wonderful words and hope painted in chalk. I spent a long, long time there reading all the messages, and it was really impactful. And then I saw one that said, the world needs you. Well, I'm not entirely sure the world does, but I counted at least three little ones last night that do. Thanks for the gift. Still gets me. I know here at 10th UBC, we're also seeing those little actions of love lived out. I think of Peter and Lila who have baked cookies for students during exam season, which I know seems small, but I can tell you was absolutely meaningful. I think of Bonnie and Tony. I don't know if they're here today. I don't see them. But Bonnie and Tony cooked a Christmas turkey dinner for their life group just before everyone headed home at the Christmas break. Small things done with great love touches lives. There's so many other examples. So what if we launched the experiment this year? Are you with me? What would happen? What stories would happen? What lives would get touched by Jesus' love? How would we get changed in the process? What would happen as we live out of our relationship with Jesus if we loved him with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then allowed that love to flow towards others, towards our neighbors, towards the people that we come across in our ordinary daily lives? Might mean baking. Maybe it means buying lunch for someone. Maybe it's playing with neighborhood kids. Maybe take the idea, grab some chalk. You never know what can happen. But be creative. Be open to all sorts of possibilities and creativity that's there. Be open to God's invitation in the moment. Do what you can with what you have. At the end of the day, to love God and to love others means to be real, to be present, to keep showing up, to step into someone's story and life, to be Jesus to the person who is closest to you. On what would have been Fred Rogers' 84th birthday, journalist Mary Elizabeth Williams wrote these words. One of the most radical figures of contemporary history never ran a country or led a battle. He became a legend by wearing a cardigan and taking off his shoes. May we be a community that shows Jesus' love in simple, ordinary ways.